Howdy, everyone. Before we jump into the Bible today, just want to give you a quick thank you. Many of you, as 2019 came to an end, gave so that the staff and the outreach partners of Faith Church could have a Christmas gift, and many of you gave so that those who are fostering and adopting kids could be blessed, and many of you just give regularly and generously. And I know that you don't do that to be thanked. It's your act of worship, but I want to thank you and tell you we appreciate it, and we're using the resource you entrusted to us to advance God's kingdom. So thanks. Remember back when you were little? Some of you, that was a really long time ago because you're really old. Um, some of you are really young, and so that wasn't so long ago. So everyone, maybe right in the middle, remember when you were a little kid and you did not get invited to that birthday party you wanted to go to? They gave out those little goodie bags with candy and those little noisemakers, and you didn't get to go, and everybody in your class went, and you were like, dang, why didn't I get invited? Or maybe you got older, and you applied to be in some kind of club, honor society or something, or you tried out for a sports team or the play, and you got cut, you didn't get the part. Remember how lousy it felt when you were excluded when you were on the outside, where there were other people that got to be on the team, got to be in the society, got to be a part of the play, and you had to watch from the seats. Doesn't it feel lousy to be excluded? How about at work? There's this meeting, this conference, this retreat, this dinner that everybody seems to get invited to, but your boss didn't ask you to come again. And once again, you feel like, man, maybe I'm being overlooked. This opportunity is passing me by. I don't get invited. I'm on the outside looking in. If we cultivate that memory of what it's like to feel excluded, it's lousy. Who likes being excluded, being on the outside? So when we see people being excluded, when we hear exclusive statements, our natural gut reaction is to be like, I don't like exclusion. I don't like exclusive clubs. I'm not down with that. But what you notice in the Bible is there are a number of statements within the Scriptures that sound very exclusive. Maybe you hear it as a follower of Jesus. Maybe you think, man, I don't even follow Jesus. Or People that are not following Jesus hear these statements and they scratch their head and they go, I thought God was loving and inclusive. I, I thought God wanted people to come into his family. Why does it seem like there are biblical statements that try to keep people out? Today we're going to look at a statement that Jesus makes, which probably is one of the most famous statements he makes, and it is very exclusive sounding. It's found in John chapter 14. So open up your Bibles, turn them on. John 14 verse 6 is a pretty direct statement that Jesus makes that's really important to wrestle through. It's a statement that if you're considering following Jesus or you are following Jesus, that if you don't wrestle through this statement he makes, you're never going to grow in your journey of faith. He makes this powerful statement. And we're in this series called Kingdom Life. And John, the author of this book, is writing, capturing for us the last words of Christ before he goes to the cross. And he's, Jesus is meeting with his disciples and he's speaking these last truths to them to get it into their memory bank. And he says, guys, I'm going away, and where I go, you can't come. And because I'm leaving, so is my physical presence. My love is leaving. So here's what I want you to do, guys. I want you to love each other like I have loved you. 
and we learn that a kingdom life is marked by love, the love of Jesus begins to mark how we treat people. And Jesus can see on their faces that they're deeply troubled that he's leaving. And so he says to them, don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And we learn that a kingdom life is realizing there are troubles that will come. They'll happen all the time. But we trade those troubles for belief in Jesus, that we trust in Jesus. And that's where we discover peace. That when I believe in Jesus and what he says and how he lives, that's what helps my troubled soul. And it's in this context that Jesus makes this bold, exclusive statement. You know the way to the place where I'm going, Jesus says, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sounds way exclusive, doesn't it? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Right? There's hundreds of religions that make this exact same claim. Hundreds of world religions that say this is the way to get to God. This is the way to peace with God. This is the way to nirvana. Jesus, how can you be the way? I mean, you might be one way, and Jesus is like, nope. I am the way, the truth, the life, and nobody gets to God the Father except through me, which kind of sounds like a mob statement, right? It's like Jesus is standing outside God the Father's office, and he's like, hey, nobody gets to him except through me. You know what I'm saying, capiche? Like, it's, it's this like, you don't get to him except through me, and we could think he's joking, but he's not. He's saying, you, you don't get to him except through me. And all of the Bible and all of Orthodox Christianity teaches that there is one way, one path, one vehicle to God, and it is by faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe that rubs you the wrong way as way too exclusive. I, I get it. And maybe it rubs you the wrong way because you go, well, I know Jesus is my way, but I don't think he has to be everyone's way. This is way too narrow. I get it. Maybe you're like me that you go, I believe Jesus is the one way, but Jesus, can you tone it down a little bit? I mean, can you sound a little more inviting? That's way too black and white. Can you be a little more nuanced? Does it have to be this direct? Remember the context in which Jesus is saying these words. He's in the last hours of his life on planet Earth, right before he's crucified, hanging out with his 12 disciples who he spent the last three and a half years with, and he wants to make it crystal clear, I am the way. As we dig into this, let's understand it more. Verse 5, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. He adds, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Jesus is saying, to know me, guys, is to know God the Father. Philip pipes up in verse 8, Lord, just show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. He, he says what we would say. Jesus, stop with all the smoke and mirrors just shoot straight with us. We know you have a special relationship with God. Can you just 
tell us what we've got to do to know God the Father. Verse 9, Jesus answers, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing His work. So if you're bugged about Jesus' exclusive comment about being the only way to God, how does this strike you? For Jesus to sit there and say, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I mean, to hear that is like mind-blowing completely. Hey, Jesus, we just want to see God the Father. Um, Philip, you want to see God the Father? Just look at me. This Jewish carpenter that you've walked with and talked with and ate with and connected with and laughed with, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He's saying to them, I am God. And he continues, just so you know, guys, I'm not speaking these words on my own. I am God's mouthpiece. He's using me to speak to you. So somebody at work comes up to you and asks you this question. Hey, I just want to know that God is real. I just want to know that God loves me. I just want to know God cares about me. I just want to know God's trustworthy. And you respond by saying, well, if you want to know God's real, just look at me. If you want to hear from God, just listen to what I say. Because what I say is I'm speaking on behalf of God. To see me and to hear me is to hear God and see God. They would have you committed as whacked, right? People would be like, are you crazy? And I think the disciples in that moment would think Jesus is crazy too. To hear Jesus say, hey, you want to see God? Just look at me. God is in me and I am in him and we're doing this together and I have authority on behalf of God speak. I represent him in human form. And if you're just going to take these words alone, these disciples will easily go, you are whack, Jesus. This is crazy, Jesus. But did you see verse 11? He says, believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Guys, you might not believe my words, he says to the twelve, but look at all that I've done. You've hung out with me for three and a half years. Remember when I walked on water? How did you think I did that? Remember when I healed the sick? Remember I taught with such power it was like you were hearing the very words of God? Remember when that lady was caught in sin and rather than stoning her, I protected her and I loved her? Remember all those supernatural things I did? How do you think I did that? I am not just a Jewish carpenter. All those supernatural things you saw me do, you experienced firsthand, you were eyewitnesses to those things, all of those acts, supernatural experiences, I was demonstrating to you that God is in me and I am in Him and to see him is to see me, and to see me is to see him. And I came to earth to love and to show you who God is. It's why the Bible teaches 
that Jesus is the way to God because Jesus is God. And that's hard to get our minds around. So I dropped a number of Bible references into your app this week that describe this to us. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All the fullness of God the Father comes to us in the person and the work of Christ. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being. That's what the Bible teaches. John 1.14, the Word, Jesus, became flesh and made His dwelling, literally camped next to us. We have seen God's glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus says to them, when you see me, you are seeing God. He is the way to God because He is God. And that's hard for us to get our minds around, but Jesus is saying to them, you've seen all the supernatural stuff, disciples, all the things that I've done, those show you, prove to you that I'm not just a carpenter, I am God. If you had a really bad heart problem, and you knew that there was an incredible surgeon in Binghamham, Binghamton? Bingham somewhere. Somewhere in New York. You knew. The greatest heart surgeon ever. This woman can do surgery on your heart. She's done a thousand surgeries and all of the most complex heart problems she's solved. And you have a complex heart problem. And she says, hey, come to me because I can fix your heart based on her credentials, based on all that she says, you might go, well, that sounds way too exclusive for her to say, come to me and I'll fix your heart. But she has the credentials, a thousand cases she's been able to heal and serve and fix someone's heart problem. Based on her credentials, you'd go, I'll go to you and that's not exclusive at all. I'll trust you. Jesus says he's the only way to God because he has the credentials to back it up. He is God. And he comes to planet Earth and he shows publicly in front of hundreds of people, thousands of people saw Jesus, the historic person, do miraculous things that only God could do. They saw it, experienced it, it changed them. People saw Jesus nailed to a cross. It's a historic fact. People saw him put into a grave. Historic fact. Hundreds and hundreds of historic people saw Jesus walk out of a grave alive. It changed people's lives. It changed our calendars. We're still talking about this historic person now and putting our hope and trust in him. Why? Because he's got some incredible credentials. He ain't just a Jewish carpenter or a good moral figure. He is the Son of God who's come to be the way, the truth, and the life that anyone who comes to God comes through him. 
This isn't just Jesus standing outside God's office and going, hey, you can't get in to see him. Only the righteous, only the good, only the smart, only with the right heritage, only if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds do you get to see the boss, the big guy. Do you get to spend eternity with him? It's not Jesus standing outside his office going, you don't get to get in. It's Jesus saying, I opened the way for everyone to come in. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Hear the heart motivation and invitation behind this? He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to build an exclusive club. He didn't send Jesus into the world to make people feel better about themselves. He sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus. He's the only way to God, but he invites everyone to believe. Everyone. He makes a way to have a relationship with God. So Jesus is more like a gate. He opens up a way to say everyone's invited Everyone's invited to have access to God the Father. Everyone has their sins paid for and forgiven because of what I did on the cross. You're forgiven. You're free from your shame. And all you have to do is believe. You don't have to believe a lot. You don't have to believe a certain kind of way. You have to look at Jesus and say, you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. I believe. And the access to God the Father is flung wide open for you forever. This is not exclusive. This is an invitation to believe. And I know that may sound odd to some of you, but it's an invitation by someone who has incredible credentials that says, I loved you so much I died for you and I rose again for you that you might have access to God the Father forever. I love what church father from the 14th century, Thomas Akempis, says about this verse. He says, it's an invitation from Jesus. I dropped this in your app as well. Follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there's no going. Without the truth, there's no knowing. Without the life, there's no living. I am the way which you must follow, the truth which you must believe, the life for which you must hope, I am the invaluable way, the infallible truth, the never-ending life. I am the straightest way, the supreme truth, the life true, life blessed, life uncreated. If you abide in my way, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So in a world marked by all kinds of chaos and misdirection, Jesus is the way, the open way to God the Father, to life and to peace. In a world marked by lies, Jesus is the truth. And he says, my words are true, my scriptures are true, and if you believe my truth, you can know truth and it will set you free. In a world marked by death and destruction, where we all want life, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Hope now and hope forever. And all I can tell you, the best thing I can tell you, the most important thing I can say to you today is Jesus has been my way and my truth, and he's changed my life. He can be your truth. 
your way and change your life too. The gate to God the Father is wide open and all who come to him by faith in his son have access to forgiveness, life, peace forevermore. But he won't force you through the gate. He says, come, come to me, believe in me, and you will have life in Christ's name. But his invitation continues. Verse 12, listen to what he says. He says, very truly I tell you. Now, just stop. Anytime you see in the Bible when Jesus says, very truly I tell you, the Jersey Joe interpretation is, sit up, shut up, and listen up, right? When Jesus says, very truly I tell you, he's saying, don't, if you didn't hear anything else I say, listen up to this. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. See this invitation? Invitation. Jesus isn't building an exclusive club. He's saying, if you believe in me, Everyone is welcome. Believe in me. And if you believe in me, something's going to start changing in you. If you say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, then you better begin to act like Jesus. We don't get the option to be an exclusive club where we say, I believe in Jesus without starting to act like Jesus. So God's design is that when we put our trust in Jesus, that those who say, I believe he is the only way, and the only truth, and the only life, that we begin to look like Him, act like Him, His priorities become our priorities. Things that He loves, we begin to love. Things that He hates, we begin to hate. The kingdom that He's advancing of love and peace and justice for all is the kingdom that we're advancing, not our own priorities, His priorities. He says, did did you notice? If you believe in me, he writes, you will do greater things than I am doing. Imagine those 12 listening to this. They've watched Jesus walk on water, heal the sick, feed thousands. They're going to see him rise again from the dead. And Jesus is going to say to them, and you guys are going to do greater things than me. Like, what? How could you possibly do greater things than Jesus? I don't think what he's referencing is the quality of Jesus' work. I don't think any of us are going to outpace the quality of his work. What is Jesus saying? I think he's talking about quantity. I think he's saying to these guys, for the last three years, I've shown you everything. For the last three years, I've poured my life into you. I've taught you and I've demonstrated to you all kinds of incredible things. And now you 12 are going to take my truth, my life, my way, and bring it to people around you that they're going to hear about me through you. I'm going to entrust my, I'm leaving and I'm entrusting my kingdom to you. You guys are going to be my mouthpiece. As you heard God's word through me, now you're going to speak it, and people are going to hear about me through you. So just a couple chapters later in the Bible, Peter, you know, he's a kind of a dummy. He, he does some foolish things, and yet he preaches this sermon, the first sermon in the church after Jesus dies. 3,000 people decide to believe in Jesus because of Peter's words. Maybe that's the greater thing that Jesus is talking about, that this kingdom is going to advance through broken people like us. 
These are the greater things, that those who believe in Jesus begin to act like Jesus, and we can impact the world with the love and the peace of Christ. He can use us. Incredible. If you believe in Jesus, do you act like him? Maybe you say today, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Would the people that are around you see the love and the life of Christ in you? It's easy to say you believe. Do you behave like Jesus? For many of us, that that just feels overwhelming, too difficult. How do I even do that? Jesus answers in verse 13. He tells them how you're going to do it. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So if we say we believe, we begin to behave like Jesus, and He is going to empower us, help us, strengthen us. He says, pay attention. If you say I'm the way, the truth, and the life, my priorities become your priorities. My love becomes your love. My hates becomes your hates. Everything I do, you're going to start doing, and you're going to get overwhelmed, and you're not going to be able to do that on your own, so ask me. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will guide you. Many people rip off verse 13 and 14, where Jesus says, ask me in my name and I will do it. So we think as humans, we, Jesus must mean like, ask me for a Lamborghini and I'll give it to you. Ask me, I don't like my nose, Jesus. I need a new nose. Give it to me. Like, we think it's like this wish list that if we name it and claim it, Jesus is going to give us anything we want in his name. And that's not what he means at all. Here's what he means. You say you believe in me? Start acting like me. And when you start acting like me, if you want to act like me, I will empower you. And when you say, God, I'm trying to bring your kingdom into my office. I'm trying to bring your love into my neighborhood. I'm trying to bring order and art and beauty and goodness into this world. And as I do that, will you help me? Jesus says, absolutely, yes. As you ask me and advance my mission and my kingdom and my purpose, the answer is always yes. Ask me for whatever to advance my kingdom and it will happen. You know, there are many Christian churches around the Lehigh Valley and around the United States. There's also many people that call themselves Christians in the United States today that would raise their hand and say, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life but they don't behave like Jesus at all. Question for you, does our world need more peace, more love, more purpose, more goodness? There's way too many Christ followers and way too many Christian churches that don't behave like Jesus. They have the name Christ follower, but they behave as if Jesus ain't the way, ain't the truth, ain't the life. So if this world needs more peace and joy and purpose and love, how is that going to happen? It's going to happen through you and through me. If I say I believe, do I behave and act and live and love like Jesus? I told you last week I am not optimistic for 2020. When I listen to the news and I watch what's happening in our country, happens in the, in the world, what's going on globally, politically, economically, racially, when I see all, I am not optimistic at all. Here's what makes me optimistic. 
what makes me optimistic is if those who say, I believe Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and those people, you and me, begin to behave like Jesus, full of love and kindness and truth and justice, I'm optimistic that God will bring his kingdom into this world through us, a great missionary who left everything to share the love of Christ, William Carey, said that we should expect great things from God. Shouldn't we? But we should attempt great things for God. America is full of people that expect great things from God, but attempt nothing. Bring no love, no peace, no justice, no truth, no kindness, no gentleness, no patience into this world. Oh, we expect a lot from you, God, and we attempt nothing. And he says, if you would just ask me, I will use you to advance my purposes and my kingdom, my love, my peace, my patience through you in your workplace through you in your family, through you in your school, and through your neighborhood. Do you believe in Jesus but don't behave like him? Ask him, and he will help you and empower you to do incredible things right where you live in whatever kingdom assignment you have right now. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for not building an exclusive family of people with the right pedigree, people with the right memorization, people with the right amount of money, people with the cleaned up act. No. You're building a family. You've opened a gate to your kingdom that those who believe, who know they're broken, who know they're busted, who just believe, will have access to God the Father, forgiveness and life forever. God, if there's anybody listening to this right now that doesn't know you, I pray they would open their hearts to you and just say, I believe. And you'll come rushing in and you'll forgive them and change their life forever. God, for those of us who say we believe, would you help us to behave like you? that we might represent you in this world. Where there is injustice, may we bring justice. Where there's unkindness, may we bring love. Where there's lies and falsehood, may we be agents of truth. Help us, God, instead of to advance our own kingdom, that we might advance your kingdom, a kingdom that will never die. May we be a part of bringing your love and your justice and your peace to this world. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.